Hello all, and welcome back to another episode of Movies and Us, a weekly gathering place filled with conversations about movies, stories, and connection. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callen. And today we're going to be reviewing the film Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, and we are joined by very special guest, Caitlin. You all have heard and, and gotten to know Caitlin many times. We've She's our resident MCU fan and expert. So we're so glad Caitlin's back for this one. Um, all right, Caitlin, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi. Um, yeah, I'm Caitlin. I am definitely a Marvel nerd, especially when it comes to the movies. And I am uh, excited to be back again. It's been a while, so yes. looking forward to this. Yeah, we're so glad to have you back, and I think this will be a fun one, too, to talk about together. Lots to unpack. Okay, uh, Sarah, do you want to kick us off with an IMDb summary for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse? Sure. Miles Morales catapults across the multiverse, where he encounters a team of Spider-People charged with protecting its very existence. When the heroes clash on how to handle a new threat, Miles must redefine what it means to be a hero. All right. And in uh, the tradition of our podcast, we often start with our one-sentence summaries for this film. So, Caitlin, do you want to share yours first? Yeah. Um, this was a Spidey adventure that was emotional and brain-breaking. Brain-breaking. I love that. Oh, my gosh. Yes. We need to unpack that a little bit more. Uh, okay, Sarah, what was your one-sentence summary? For this Mine film? is new adventures brought to you by your friendly neighborhood anarchist. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yes. Taking down the system. Yeah, right, my, gotta love it. My one-sentence summary is we're finally making the nerds the cool kids. One dark matter science superpower at a time. <laughs> nice. Yes. Okay, so uh, let's start off with our initial thoughts of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, and we'll keep our thoughts at a high level in this first little section, and then we'll have a spoiler alert, and then we'll have full reign uh, and head into their next section. So we won't spoil anything in this first little bit. Um, so, Caitlin, I'm curious your thoughts about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. How, yeah, tell me, tell me what stood out to you, what your thoughts were about this film. Um, I liked it. Um, again, the animation was just um, such a joy to watch. I loved it. Um, and it was... Uh, I didn't really know what to expect going into it. Um, I was not disappointed at all. Um, it was, like I said, it was definitely um, had the emotional weight that somehow the goofiest superhero seems to always carry um it was fun it was um you know full of ups and downs and twists and turns um but overall I was pleased with it um again maybe because I went in with absolutely no expectation except how much I enjoyed the first one so this one did not disappoint Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, unpack a little bit more what parts 
really stood out to you and what you loved about this one when we get into uh, the spoiler territory. Okay, Sarah, your thoughts about this one, Across the Spider-Verse. Yeah, uh, like you, Caitlin, I loved like the artwork of it all. Honestly, like I want to go watch it again just because the artwork is so gorgeous. And just like in the first one, there's all of these different art styles that are used. Like this animated film is a work of art. It's absolutely stunning to watch. And yet they also are able to have these really interesting, very human characters. And and we get to see uh, the dynamics between uh, these these teenagers and their families as they're harboring the secret that they are spider people. And I thought that that was really interesting to explore, not just from a teenager's perspective, but also seeing the parents' perspective. So there's a lot of really interesting relational stuff that happens as well. And it's a very emotional film while also being incredibly witty and funny. Uh, and it's a really good time, but I do have a qualm about this that we can get to in spoiler territory but I have an issue with it it didn't ruin my experience of the film I think it's still a really good film but I do have an issue with the structure and it might just be a me issue but I do have a qualm I have one too I'm curious if it's the same (gasps) one or different but you said structure yes so so yeah. I, I'm thinking about what that might be. But yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in the spoiler territory. Um, it's, I think, hard to do a sequel of an already beloved film and somehow they managed to execute on it incredibly well and not just in the visual style because obviously we knew that was going to be absolutely incredible, but also in the storyline as well, I thought was a lot more uh, nuanced and, and dove into the character relationships a lot more in this film and it feels it really feels like a movie that's setting up many more that's coming later which I actually think is um I that helped me ground myself in what this this film's like job is to do I think I was the first half felt a little bit slower to me as far as pacing but the second half of the film is so strong and so it was it was dragging a little bit in the middle there and After thinking about it the past few days, I'm like, you know what? Part of what this movie's goal is to set up all of these different storylines and the the rules of this universe and introduce all these new characters because I believe that there's definitely another movie, if not maybe two more, right? Um, So it it has to do kind of like the the Star Wars, The Force Awakens, right? It's setting up a much longer story arc, which I feel like we're seeing a lot more of in general um, in some of these big franchises. But – yeah, I, I I think that there's a lot of really fun things that the plot does in the second half that I'm excited to talk about. Um, there's some really great uh, plot moments that set up really great visual uh, spectacle for us to get to just like have the best time watching unfold different spider people doing their thing with each other or against each other. Like all of that I thought was really, really fun. Um One thing that I noticed more in this film, and maybe they did this in the first film as well, I just wasn't paying attention to it, but the way that the the colors change and evolve to reflect the mood of a scene 
was yes. so distinct in this one. I maybe they did it in the first one. I just so in awe of everything else. But you know, there's there's some scenes between, especially um, the slower scenes between the some of the kids and their relationship with their their parents, their fathers, and the background color would just evolve and change over the course of seconds as you see realizations or emotions settle in. And I thought that was so beautiful to see. Um, Just one of those moments where you're like, man, this medium, it's really taking advantage of this medium and expressing things that you couldn't do in the same way um, in like a live action film. So I thought that was really neat. Yeah, I loved that as well. Uh, I, I feel like we see that that color shifting happen a lot with Gwen and her character. And we yeah. see, you yeah. know, moments when she is upset and angry, the colors are very bold and bright. And then in these really tender moments, we see the colors become much more pastel. And I, I loved the way that color was not fixed in her world. And from her perspective, color was not fixed. And we can see that shift and move. And uh, there is a particular like tender scene where the the, the oh, details yeah. of the setting just melt away and she's just surrounded by color. And I just thought that that was such a cool way to get us out of the place and into the emotional bond between these characters and into the emotion of the scene uh, that felt appropriate for this world and this character. And, and there's in, in that scene, the colors, it doesn't just become like a solid color, but it becomes these streaks of color that look like they are, are dripping down the screen as she is crying. And it was just this incredible Mm. way to communicate so much with just this simple and beautiful artistic choice. I was, I was blown away by it. Yeah, same. I was just so taken with the colors and the um just the differences that you almost didn't notice until someone pointed them out and then other times were just incredible and yeah, completely changed the mood and um just the intensity of everything going on. I there were certain parts I'm like that color is just so beautiful. I'm almost not paying attention to what else is going on because it was just such um such powerful use and um they didn't stick with just traditional like basic colors either they got creative with the colors they used and I just loved it yeah in a lot of ways I feel like these artists really turned up the volume of what they've showcase that they can do from the first one to this one especially in some of the like fight choreography and um all of the like action scenes like I thought that there's there's so much to look at visually that I'm like oh my gosh there's like each each like composition of a shot I felt like there were these artists that I'm sure poured over and they flash so quickly on the screen in those scenes where I'm like, I just want to pause and just enjoy this shot for a second and then go to the next one because there's so much that's so visually striking. Um, the way that they like played with with like angles or or um, emphasize like the 
the poses or um, the the lines and curves of some of our main characters I thought was really fun. They have a really great villain uh, in this with Spot that they can do so much visually with, with his like limbs going in and out of different holes and whatnot. Like all of that was just so playful as well. So I think, yeah, the, the visual style is just as good, if not better than the first one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, I love that like you said, there's so much detail in every frame and particularly in some of these fight sequences, like some of these action sequences are huge and there's so much crammed into the screen, like you said. And it just, it blows me away what this medium is capable of. And I I love that, that we are able to see the multiverse in this format because really like you can't do what they can do in this in live action it would look horrible if they were to try to do something like this oh gosh yeah, yeah for and sure. so I just love that they are using this art form in this way to tell this story because it is it is the right medium for this and everything is just so well done like ugh. I'm I'm amazed at what they were able to do. Okay. This seems like a good time to include a little spoiler alert so that we have full freedom from here on out. So if you haven't seen Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, just came out in theaters, go check it out. This is one that also I think rewards a theater experience. Go find the biggest screen that you can watch this on and just immerse yourself into it. So um, yeah, we recommend checking it out before continuing to listen. Okay, y'all, we are, we have full freedom now to talk about anything we want. Where should we go first? Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Do we want to start with the good or the issues we had? Qualms. Let's, how about we start with our qualms, then we'll end on all the the good stuff. So we'll end on a high. How does that sound? Sounds good. Sarah? Okay, so my issue with this is that it feels like it is the first half of a five-hour-long movie, not a movie in and of its own self. You know, like, Mm -hmm. this, to me, does not work as a standalone movie. This movie is setting up the third movie, and it does not work without the third movie, in my opinion. Um, And I just... I am bothered by that. I understand why it's that way. I still had a great time watching it because it's gorgeous and the characters are engaging, but I don't like that this movie exists this way. Like I, I wish that this had worked as a standalone movie in addition to also setting up the third movie. That is my complaint. Yeah, I it's actually a different qualm for mine, so that's exciting. But I had this I had Ooh, the same okay. I, I I wondered if that's why the first like by by like uh forty minutes in I'm like kind of like okay, what are we what are we doing? Where is this going? Like, who yeah. are we following? I'm a little lost, and then I think we gain a little bit more momentum once we hit uh, the halfway point and kind of march towards 
the ending where we're with the spider people, you know, like there's a lot of momentum there once we have Miles finally meet Miguel and team, right? But there's a section right before that, about 20 minutes where I'm like, what, what is our goal here again? Like usually by that point in a movie, we kind of are, okay, there's a mission or an adventure that we're going to go on. There's a clear foe and how we're going to tackle them. Like there's a sense of purpose. And I've, I felt like it kind of slowed down a little bit before it picked up steam again. And I wonder if this movie was structured a little bit differently and we had a clear kind of place that we're getting to maybe that pacing issue that I had with it might might have been solved for a little bit it's fascinating to me though that so many franchises are doing this like we just watched um Fast X which does the same thing you know Dune 1 and 2 are doing the same thing where it's like we're just gonna give you the first half but it doesn't work as a standalone until you've seen the rest of the story um which I think is like a fascinating shift that we're seeing it almost feels like we're just like watching episodes of a little mini series you know and each episode comes out like two three years from each other because uh, this feels like the end of like one episode that there's going to be more and more and more but it doesn't it doesn't work I think there's no real momentum that builds towards something that somehow gets resolved in its own way and it can still set up the next movie but there's there's no there's literally no resolution that happens in this we're just left hanging yeah I think I mean that's definitely the the thing that threw me is it went black and I was like wait what (laughs) that (laughs) we're okay I mean Infinity War definitely left us at like a cliffhanger but it was still there was a wrap-up to it like it was like you knew that couldn't be the end of the story but it still felt like an end this one yeah it just dropped and um you know I wonder if if they had stopped it 15 minutes prior if we wouldn't have felt that same just hanging feeling like um he he ends up back at home but we don't find out it's the wrong one like if you know there's that resolution of okay he made it home we know there's more to come but you know at least he got there and and we don't have that like the whole reveal of his uncle and um and him and everything going on in that world or um you know and even with Gwen whether it had ended um with again with her taking up like getting out of her world and getting to the next or if it ended with the same way it did end with her, with her having this team behind her, but just if it had shifted just a little bit, so you felt a little bit more pause um, before it ended, rather than this, like you pause, you're like, okay, he got home. We know there's more to come, but then everything that happens, it's like you take another breath in 
and then you're just left there like uh, 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 what 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 next um if it had ended more of a on an exhale like okay we got there I don't know if that makes sense but that's that's the thing that's been rattling around in my head would that have left it at a more understandable breaking point while still letting us know there's plenty more to come I love that you describe it as ending on an exhale versus ending on an inhale. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's such yeah. a perfect way to describe that feeling at the end. Cause yeah, you're right. We were kind of gearing up for something and then it cuts it off. Like I was getting excited. I'm like, Oh, here we go now. And no, actually the movie's over. Um, but had we ended it maybe a little bit earlier, the exhale would then be after this big chase and the fight with all the spider people, he made it home. Ah, yes. But there can be like maybe a smaller, smaller suggestion of like, hmm, perhaps he is not really home and then just end it there, right? Like there's almost too much time spent in that, that second scene where he, 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 um, learns about like his alter ego and all this kind of stuff, right? Like that begins a new, uh, breath <laughs> to use your metaphor so i think that's a really yeah. really interesting point I, the comparison to infinity war and Endgame in the way that those two movies feel full in and of themselves but are setting up um like infinity war setting up Endgame, i think is a really interesting comparison i actually think that the star wars movies also do a pretty good job of this as well like it's a full story what with a suggestion of like the rebel alliance is not over. This war is not over. We're, there's still more to fight, but this chapter feels full, full and done. Yeah. So I, that's why I've just been wondering, am I wanting an old method of storytelling? Because like you said, Jen, like, a bunch of movies are handling stories like this and I am bothered. <laughs> I want I want the old way. I'm I'm old and I'm stuck in my ways and I want a full story arc for the middle movie. That's what I want. I'm a grumpy old person. It is what it is. <laughs> I don't think you're wrong in that. <laughs> but I do like uh I like your idea, Caitlin. I hadn't thought I hadn't considered that as a potential solution before and I like it and I will accept it because to me that ending piece, it just, I don't know, for me, it just felt like it dragged on and I was, I was ready for the movie to be over because I knew we weren't going to have like a, a very clear conclusion and, and I was just like, okay, we've we've done what we were going to do in this movie. I already know that he's not where he should be. Can we be done? Uh, and so I, I think cutting it off when he got home would be enough of a teaser, enough of a cliffhanger. We know that there's more, but it's also like resolution. It's a baby resolution, but it is a resolution nonetheless. I think I think that's a great idea. Yeah, you know, TV episodes, they can do that. They can get away with doing that. 
it makes sense to do that because you're waiting a week or well Mm -hmm. old school you were waiting a week I don't know what it is now um anything goes that's what it is (laughs) yeah there are no Um, rules anymore (laughs) apparently um but yeah I agree with a movie I would like to see um like there's hanging and then there's like dangling by a thread and (laughs) (laughs) and I would like I would prefer one not the other when it comes to movies um but again Sarah I agree it did not ruin the experience for me at all because it wasn't until you know for me it, it I think because they started into the the events of what happens when he gets to this wrong home because it started into that I had no realization that the end of the movie was coming and so it wasn't until that screen went black that I was kind of thrown for a loop so it didn't it didn't ruin the movie for me um but it definitely walking out going um I don't know what to think or feel right now you're like, did my TV screen glitch? <laughs> did they <laughs> accidentally start the credits rolling a little too soon? Like what? Yeah. All these movies seem to like give a little too much at the end. <laughs> like the the same thing happened in um, the end of Fast X, which is they it's like one scene too much. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you should have ended yeah. it just 10 minutes earlier. I think Dune part one also does the same thing where it's like they have this whole like um duel that happens and you're like no just end it like one scene before that like end it with the big action sequence that Caitlin to your point we get with that exhale of okay Miles was fighting all spiders and all universes and now he's home that's a that's a really great big showy action sequence that feels like the climax you know, last part of a movie and then just like to wrap it up there versus let's let's keep telling more. I think that what they're – it seems like in all of that like one scene too many uh, scenes, they just – there's like it's the reveal of this like shocking information that I think, I don't know, they just want people talking about on Twitter or something, right? <laughs> but it's, it's like the inclusion of like we're going to give you a little bit of information to get your brain spinning in that direction of like, what does this mean? What could it be for the next like two, three years until the next one comes out? Uh, But it feels, I think, less satisfying as a holistic movie when that happens. Effective at getting us thinking there, but less satisfying for this one, this this current movie going experience. So with that... um thinking talking for the next you know however long until the next one comes out we were trying to figure out I went and saw this movie with a friend and we were trying to figure out um Miguel keeps saying um you know the spider wasn't supposed to bite you because it bit you the other Peter Parker died all this stuff we were trying to figure out which which dimension which world was the spider supposed to have bitten peter parker is it the one the spider came from or is it the world the spider went to where it bit um miles and not like 
Which one was it supposed to bite? Which one was supposed to have a Peter Parker Spider-Man that it didn't? Because at this point, neither one has a Peter Parker. Neither one has Peter Parker as Spider-Man. The one the spider came from doesn't have any Spider-Man. And the one it was brought to has Miles. So was one just not supposed to have a Spider-Man at all? Were they, you know, what happened there? That's that's what we were chewing on for a while. No, that's a super interesting question that I had not thought about. Because I just assumed that he was talking about the world that the spider came from. But you make a really good point that it could be either one. Very interesting. Did you come to any conclusion? Well, we didn't really. Um, I assumed it was... I guess before I really put thought into it, I was thinking of the beginning of the first one where we see that Peter Parker is dead. I think it shows like his tombstone or something. Um, And so that was what my mind went to. It says like Peter Parker died. There was no Spider-Man. But then I started thinking, it was like, well, the spider didn't come from that initially. So it makes more sense that There was supposed to have been a Spider-Man in the Spider's original universe. So I, I never, I never landed on a solid decision about that. Um, Yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out which one Miguel was so upset about and which one went quote unquote wrong. This is where brain breaking is such a thing adjective. <laughs> exactly. Because that whole big dramatic scene where he's basically yelling all those things at Miles, I was my brain starts going in that direction. I'm like, okay, there's too much happening on screen. I can't think about this right now. Let me think about it later. This is where the whole like rules of the multiverse kind of make my brain hurt. Because I'm like, wait, wait a second. And then we're, okay, so we're in this other one where, so the the universe that Miles goes back to is the one that the spider left, right? Correct. Yep. And that's why his, the Miles Morales in that world is, um, becomes the, has become the Prowler. But then Mm -hmm. I think that universe also, his father dies and I'm like, okay, so then what does that mean Instead for? Instead of the uncle, yeah. Instead of the uncle, yes. So it's interesting because I hadn't even thought of this before. So many things to think about. Um, uh, Miguel was so adamant that the captain has to die. Mm-hmm. And the captain died in that one. Mm-hmm. But there's no Spider-Man there. And would it have affected Peter Parker if the captain in that one had died because it wasn't you know it was Miles's father so (sighs) the captain died but there was no Spider-Man and in the other one there's a Spider-Man but Miles is fighting so hard to not let the captain die so 
Oh, goodness. <sighs> Can we, like, reverse <laughs> anomaly this? Like, the anomaly cancels out the other anomaly. Right? Right. That's my question. Right. Yeah, I like that option. I mean, because Gwen mentions just in brief passing mm-hmm. when talking to Spider-Woman, whose first name I'm blanking on. Jessica. Um, the one with the True. bike? Yes. Okay. Um, yes. So when they're all chasing Miles, um, she says, you know, does he have to die? Does the captain have to die? She says, I feel in my gut and pauses. And Jessica says, stop feeling with your gut, feel with your brain. Or stop thinking with your gut, think with your brain. Um, And just kind of cuts her off at that moment. But Gwen is like, you know, I feel like, and you get the impression she's going to say, I feel in my gut that this isn't going to destroy everything. Or that, you know, the captain dying in this universe isn't right. So... Yeah, could could anomaly cancel out anomaly? Mm. And then what about the anomaly that is no longer an anomaly with Gwen's yes. dad, you know, yes, quitting exactly, and no longer being captain. Mm-hmm. So now there is no captain to die. Now what? Well, in that situation, I think there. So this is this is this is, this is a good leap leap into my qualm, <laughs> which is this idea that uh, they're all fighting so hard to avoid this thing that they believe is supposed to happen, right? Which is the death of the captain. And like, I wonder how the story is going to unfold because I think one thing that's always been really interesting about the spider-man story and then honestly in a lot of the other superhero movies and just this theme of like there is a cost and there's a sacrifice to being in this position in this role and you in real life we can't stop people that we from losing people that we love you know and so and there are lessons learned along the way that come from that like i think the um peter parker the pink robe in this movie has a point that he makes around that. Like without that happening, I wouldn't have had met blah, blah, blah. And I wouldn't have had this, my daughter. Like there is, there is a, they're they're almost trying to stop what feels inevitable versus like what, how do we, how do we uh, move forward when bad things happen? Right. Like they're trying to stop all the bad things from happening, which in some ways, I can see why if they're fighting against the system, that that makes sense. They're, they're like rebelling against this idea that it has to happen this way. Uh, but I think that if the movie and the next movie, the storyline, if it continues to evolve down the path of like Miles can save everyone, like he can have it all, I'm going to have some more issues with it. (laughs) So like I'm intrigued Mm -hmm. to see where they go with it because he believes, Miles believes now he can have every, he can have it all. He can save his father. He can be Spider-Man. Like he he can stop anyone and anything from happening. And I'm like, this is not the right lesson to learn. So I wonder if they will, how that will evolve, that storyline will evolve. Because in real life, we can't, 
we can't stop bad things from happening, but we can choose how we react to them and we can see what comes from them. So I hope that that's not the direction that they're going with this whole story arc. Hmm. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about it from that side. I was looking at it from, I guess, more from Miles's perspective, not of trying to have everything, although I think in his youth and, you know, either immaturity or naivete, um, that may be what he's, you know, where this is all originating from. But if you knew and you knew you had the ability to prevent your own father from dying, wouldn't you try? Wouldn't you fight against whoever or whatever was trying to stop you from preventing that? I I think I was more seeing it from that side. Like, like there at this point, it almost feels like Miguel is forcing Miles's father to die. Not just allowing it to happen, but he's literally locking Miles into, you know, the the hub so that he can't prevent his father from dying. And it's, you've kind of messed up canon or, you know, whether you look at it as time travel or alternate di- dimensions or whatever. Like, this is no longer just a an inevitable event. It's like, once you know, then it's it's no longer just, oh, it happened and we couldn't prevent it. He knows now. How can you tell a 15-year-old kid, you know, and you have the power to stop it, but don't? That was kind of where I was seeing it. Um, I was looking at it from that perspective. So I hadn't thought about it from yours of like, no, you can't always stop these things, which is true. And Peter Parker says that. Um, Miles is like, I thought Spider-Man always, and he goes, nope, not always, kid. Um, so that's a, an interesting flip on perspective to think about. And I think one thing that's interesting is the way that they've woven together, like you were saying, the the system with this idea of like canon and, and how our stories unfold because it's now intertwining this idea that like bad things happen, but the system is saying bad things happen and like that they they have to happen and they have to happen in this way like it's tied in with miguel being this like overbearing evil dude who would like lock this kid up from trying to save his parent you know what i mean and so it's like of course we're going to be rooting for miles and rooting for him to to triumph over that system of control and that system that believes it knows best um, but I am intrigued to see how they still weave in some idea around like um, there are there are things that um, teach us that are hard things that um, are difficult things, but they teach us things about who we are and 
um, who we love and all that kind of stuff. And it's a theme actually that was in the most recent um, um, Tom Holland movie where they had all of the Spider-Man oh, back yes. together, you know? Like, that was beautiful. Yeah, but it was like this really interesting theme for the other, like Toby and, and um, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man to come back and say like, I've been through this before too. Like I've lost people, but it there it it has taught me things and and you will grow from it too. You know what I mean? Like there's this really beautiful moment around that theme of them coming together around the things that has strengthened them from hard things. And I hope that this movie doesn't like try and avert that in some way or at least kind of communicating that you can avoid all of it if you just try hard enough. Like if Miles just tries hard enough, he can save everyone it's like there is there are some things that can't be avoided but it's interesting that they've woven it into this like oppressive system too so i love his willingness to like go up against the system which i think as americans we all love that as well like yes triumph over the oppressive systems fight for what you believe is right like we're on his side but i i hope they don't lose that other theme too in the next movie well and i I wonder if there's going to be like a little bit of a loophole situation and maybe Miguel is misreading things. Honestly, I'm not going to lie. I don't understand this multiverse stuff. And when they started talking <laughs> about like things breaking, I was like, I know my, my brain does not comp- comprehend, cannot compute. But <laughs> one thing that all of the Spider-Man movies that I have seen, I just haven't seen the Andrew Garfield ones. I'm sorry, Caitlin. I still have not watched them. Um, but the ones that I have seen have all focused on loss and everybody loses a parent figure or an authority figure in some way. And we see these teenagers have to grapple not only with becoming Spider-Man, but also with this loss and that loss really informs part of their character and who they are. And we even see that in Into the Spider-Verse with Miles's uncle. And so I wonder if there will be something there around, maybe Miguel was misreading things and it doesn't have to be like a certain person has to die, but it has to be, you know, the loss of a loved one always happens because we've seen that in all of the Spider-Man movies. Um, And so maybe Miles going back to this other world where he's with his uncle who he no longer has will do something with the grief that he experienced at losing his uncle or something. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there will be a loophole in that or Miguel is misreading the rules of the system. So then it will work out. I don't know, but I, I didn't quite understand why it had to be Miles's dad who died when like in the Toby movies, it's uncle Ben who died dies but he wasn't a police Mm -hmm. captain so I was like did I am I missing something did I like because my brain did not understand that whole sequence um but I I wonder if there's a misreading on Miguel's part that's a good thought and as you were talking I was just wondering you know he Miles so badly wants to have everything and he did lose he lost his uncle um, and I just wonder if it's going to be this idea of 
I lost him once. I'm going to try to save him this time. And Mm -hmm. you can't, you can't always save someone, you know? And it's like, uh, how much, I mean, how intense would losing someone a second time be, you know, even comparing that against losing his, you know, his dad and his world, um, you know, losing his uncle again. I don't know. That was just something that came to mind as you were talking. Um, but you're right. There's, there's always been some kind of loss in, and honestly, the Andrew Garfield ones, he loses everybody. (laughs) He loses, (laughs) excellent. he loses uncle Ben. He loses the captain who is his girlfriend's father. And then Mm -hmm. he loses his girlfriend. Yes. That's why he loses somebody in every (laughs) single movie. Um, yeah, he has it rough. rough. Um, but you're right. There's it. I don't remember. I don't remember the Toby ones very well. Um, yeah, because he loses Uncle Ben Mm -hmm. in the first one, and then isn't the second one where uh, James Franco's character. Yeah, he dies. loses his friend. Yeah, that was his best friend. Dies, maybe? Yeah. Question mark? I don't know. He dies at some point. And then I don't remember yeah. the third one. The third one sucked. I have erased that from my memory. <laughs> it does not matter. Yeah. Um, but it's, I mean, he loses Uncle Ben. It, you know, Spider-Man seems to almost always lose Uncle Ben. Mm-hmm. Or he loses the captain, who is either his father or his girlfriend's father or just you know kind of father figure ish or he loses um i can't remember is it always gwen that dies or does mj die i don't know but he loses one of them Mm -hmm. it it doesn't seem to always be the same person but he does Mm -hmm. always lose someone in you know tom holland loses aunt may so again no captain involved um so I don't know why it always has to be the captain because yeah Miles did he lost his uncle who was you know the one who seemed to understand him and believe in him and support him even when Miles felt like he couldn't relate to his dad so that seems to be a pretty intense loss right there I like the possible uh next movie story arc of like Miguel is reading it wrong (laughs) like bro look at your data again a little closely yeah but this idea of like Miles like Spider-Man is defined by and and molded by loss which we see that there's like that really beautiful shot of like um all of the other spiders like um holding the person that they're they've lost and they're they're, they there's this like bond that's formed between them because they know what that's like together uh but the next movie yo miles has already fulfilled this you know what i mean like he has checked that box that's helped form who he is today and um he doesn't need to then lose his father as well and maybe that's the discovery is like um it would it would really tie, I think, the first movie with the second movie really well together because we see the whole plot line with his uncle in the first movie, and then it can kind of harken back to all of that and bring some of the scenes back forward again. So, um, I like I would love that reading 
of it. Because I think that it is a big theme in Spider-Man as a brand, as a character. Uh, and so for if the movie's going to go in the direction of like Miles successfully stops it and they don't really comment too much on like this idea of loss being f- like key to forming who you are and how you react to it is, is um, informing your character. Like I think that would be a little bit of a miss. So that's one thing that I'm intrigued to see how they handle this in the next movie and what they have. If they, if they choose to deal with some of those nuances, I think it would be really great. Because even Gwen, she doesn't mm-hmm. have to lose her father. She lost her best friend. And, yeah. you know, was not knowing who he was, but was still almost responsible for his death. So, my gosh, the poor girl doesn't also need to lose her dad just to make her, you know, a, a, a fully adept spider. She already is. And she's already experienced that loss. So even there, again, you know, could he be reading it wrong or be just so obsessed with his system that he can't see, you know, what else is happening outside of his, you know, narrow view of what may or may not happen. Yeah, I I didn't realize this while watching the movie but uh in reading some of the the comments and summary of this movie they describe it the moment where she goes home and realizes that her father resigned from um his role as a policeman and therefore is not going to be promoted to become the captain and that that her multiverse uh pathway is still intact and hasn't crumbled the way that miguel said like the description uh, described that as like that being one of the reasons why she go- chooses to go and help Miles because she sees that it's possible and that there is a way to avoid losing their father if they are not the one that is the captain. And I didn't realize that while watching the movie. I'm curious if you guys did. But I was like, oh, I didn't realize that was a key like realization that she had that then fueled her to believe that like, oh, okay, maybe the system isn't as – it was described to her by Miguel. Um, but it's like an interesting, it's not really a loophole, but a way to get around this idea or the rule that Miguel set, which is if their father is not the captain in their universe, then the captain maybe doesn't need to die. Or maybe the, I don't know if the captain still dies. It's just not, it happens to not be their father. It's some other person. I don't know. But like there is a, there is like other options for them beyond just like this inevitability. So I don't know if it's going to be Miles going back to convince his father, I don't know, not to get the promotion or maybe he does and then they realize that their um, their universe is still intact, which then discounts Miguel's theory. be fascinating to see what they do there. Okay. Other things that we want to talk about with this movie – can we completely switch gears and just talk about how awesome it was to see the Spider-Man meme of the three of them all pointing at one another, but on like the <laughs> grandest scale ever. <laughs> yes, that was so great. That was so great. And and they like zoom out as well. So you see all of the spiders pointing you, at you, the other you, in the big you, hall. You. 
Oh, well, so and what I what I really love about that is that like obviously that is a meme that we use that's all over the internet. We've all seen it. So like it's this really funny joke today with our online culture. But that's also going to age really well even if in future years that meme no longer exists. That's still going to be a moment of of humor because everybody's just pointing at each other, even if they don't have the additional context in, you know, 10, 20 years from now, whatever. And I love that this movie is so smart in that, like, yes, there are nods to pop culture, but it's done in a way that I think is going to age really well. I feel like in some movies, they're just filled with pop culture references. And then you watch it two years later and you're like, oh my God, this is old and awful. But I, I feel like when they use pop culture in this, it is strategic enough so that it's not going to age poorly and be like a negative experience in however many years. So I just, I loved that they included that as well as they did for a funny moment. That's also going to work in however many years from now. Even the Doctor Strange reference, like you don't, they, Miguel mentions Doctor Strange at some point. And Miles just going, Doctor Strange? Mm-hmm. I feel like that man should not be practicing medicine. Something to that effect. And while it is pop culture due to the Doctor Strange movies, and but even just the name, like that's, that's just going to be, that's just entertaining whether or not you are aware of the character all that much or not. So, yeah, I think you're right on that. There's so many small little throwaway lines in this movie that are so funny when you catch them. Uh, I I thought that the first movie was really funny and it was fun to see that they're still still got the juice. Yeah. Um, I also appreciated when they were um, looking at all of the um, the spiders, like you said, Sarah, holding their person that they'd lost. Um, and then seeing all of the anomalies being held and then being sent back to their worlds, I appreciated not only, you know, ones that you would relate to from comics, but also from each of the live action movies. Um, Mm -hmm. that was, that was very fun to see. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah. Some of those are, I was like, this person seems significant because they're focusing on (laughs) this like there's one live action dude that I I don't remember which movie I don't know I don't know yes. idea which movie he was from. Yeah, he's from. I kept showing him <laughs> the first um, Tom Holland standalone uh-huh. Spider-Man movie. Um, uh-huh. He's he's not a major villain. He's in one scene, but he's oh known to be a villain. It's under the bridge when he um, he runs away from the party. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom Holland does his Peter Parker and sees this this guy under a bridge making some kind of deal and I think Peter Parker at that point is trying to track the tech um, so yeah he's he's in that little clip of the movie and I just I loved that they threw him in there and they're just staring at one another <laughs> um, yeah it's just a fun little reference that you didn't have to get, but if you did, it was really entertaining. Yeah, this is one of those moments where I'm like, 
wow, Caitlin, your brain is just like this giant database of knowledge of all these little <laughs> references. I'm so impressed. You're like, yeah, this one short scene in this movie from five, ten years ago. <laughs> yeah, they kept showing his face on screen. So I was like, huh, eh, it's probably someone important somewhere. Somewhere out there. Somewhere out there. In the multiverse. It was really great because the the theater that I was in, there was a group of like, uh, there were three, like maybe early 20s guys sitting in the row in front of me. And all throughout the film, when a new spider person would come up, there was this like, oh, like they would get so excited. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am having a blast just watching <laughs> you guys amazing. get so excited about all of these people because I think they're cool because of the animation. It's gorgeous. But they have no context for who they are. So it was just cool to watch people get so excited about all these characters that I've never heard of before. It was amazing. So our question was, is Spider T-Rex indeed a character? Yes, he is indeed a character in a comic book. There is yes. Spider-Rex. No yes, really? there really so is. <laughs> this is like, no, he is indeed a real spider person. I loved it. Like, of course there is. Wow. I mean, of course wouldn't there, there is. Yes. I mean, did, we had the, the spider pig. I'm sure that was not the spider yes. name, but we have that. So why not a spider T-Rex? Right? This is incredible. He's <laughs> shooting his webs out of his little arms. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Literal perfection. <laughs> little tiny webs. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Do we know if Jessica in the comics is also pregnant in the comics? Because... I was, that was fascinating. Yeah. That was really cool. I had never considered a pregnant superhero before, but hell yeah, this is incredible. <laughs> I, I don't know. I would guess so. I would guess it happens at some point, but I really don't know. She was so dynamic on screen. I want more of her in the next movie, please. Like there's just, she's got this like, glimmer in her eye where you're like I feel like you know some things and uh are willing to like when I again this was a small detail that I I did not get while the movie was unfolding but um I thought that Jessica was the one that gave her the watch gave Gwen Stacy the watch at the end to go help Miles but actually apparently it was Hobie so I didn't Mm -hmm. catch that but I don't know I think that there's there's an interesting dynamic that potentially Jessica has uh, with Miguel that I think will hopefully be unfolded in the next movie. Seeing her reaction to Miles saying, I thought we were supposed to be the good guys. I think it was Miles, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, just like seeing her facial expression. It was like yeah. a almost pain at hearing that, but at the same time, this like, I really think I'm doing what's right, but it pains me to hear you say that because maybe some part of me thinks we're not doing right. So I feel like she's going to be the the crux for when Miguel succeeds, fails, or 
is convinced otherwise or whatever happens there. I feel like she's going to be the the sway point for him because she has so much of his trust and reliance. Yeah, like they're going to need her in order to really defeat him and she's going to help tell him, tell them like where all his bones are buried and where all, how all the systems work in his inner layer or something. Like there's there's a conscience that she has that I think is starting to the wheels are turning and she might be realizing this whole thing that she's involved in is maybe not as good and altruistic as um she thought it was which is why i thought she was the one that sent gwen the the watch nah man it was the anarchist (laughs) gotta stick it to the man (laughs) it was so good and like what i i loved the inclusion of that character because not only is he just like an interesting character but the animation style is Mm -hmm. so different and it's Mm -hmm. absolutely stunning and so even when she uses the watch it's this cool retro looking thing that you don't see anywhere else in this except for with him oh i love it i want more of him in the next movie i want more of that watch i want more retro Spider-Punk guy. Incredible. I love that his guitar was like a cutout from a magazine. Yes. (laughs) Like, it was so cool. Like, honestly, I won't lie, his character kind of annoyed me at the beginning. But then, (laughs) like, I grew to like him. I I don't know. There was just something about him. I was like, can you just stop talking for two seconds? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then he definitely grew on me. Like, his little like one-liners or snide remarks or whatever they they definitely entertained me especially when he was getting on Miguel's nerves <laughs> yes I love that there's a moment where Miles is like dang how do you just get even cooler underneath that helmet yes. <laughs> and I love that there are moments like that all throughout where you are reminded that Miles is a teenager. Like that's yeah. such a teenager mm-hmm. thing to say. Yeah. And, and I, I love that all throughout this movie, we we return to that fact and not in a like, like dumbing down like, oh, he's just a kid, but in these very like real phrases that he says or these silly things that, that he does that, that reminds you that, oh no, he's a teenager. It was, it's just so well done and so well thought out when they insert those things into the story. No one my age says those words in that order. Yes, brilliant. (laughs) And also just, I loved that they kind of reminded you in small moments. Because like, you see him wanting the whole time to like be part of this big, huge, you know, this elite spider team and be a part of all these Spider-Man spider people um but the line where he's talking to peter parker in the robe and he just says like i missed you guys i wanted to be with you guys so much and just seeing that raw like that raw pain that teenagers i feel like feel that more than anyone else just that i needed the people that i thought believed in me i needed the people that saw me and knew who I was and helped me get here like I I needed my people I just wanted to be 
with you guys. Like that broke my heart, that one line. Cause it was like, you know, yeah, he wants to be part of this like cool, awesome thing. But in reality, man, he just wanted his people. And that just killed me. And I know it, I know it killed Peter Parker as well. I think you could just see it. Um, but even just that, like that raw teenage moment, um, in a, in addition to all the like little snippy, you know, witty, sarcastic, just goofy other teenage reminders. It was, they did a good job of keeping him, you know, his age trying to, you know, the whole thing with Spider-Man, he's a kid, but he's trying to carry the weight of literally carry the weight of the world. Um, and they did a good job with that. I thought. It reminded me so much of the last Tom Holland movie where um, the, the two other Spider-Men from the previous franchises all came back to and just like the connection that they were able to share because they really like understood each other, understood the weight of what it means to carry that responsibility. I think that you see that bond between him and Gwen so much of why they really cared for each other so much. I mean, part of it's like, teenage love and attraction and all that all that good stuff but it's also because they really felt like they could see each other and understand each other and that bond that they share is I think really neat to see that it is much deeper than just like here's this cool girl that I met that I have a crush on it's like no they really do they can relate to each other in a lot of ways um and I think the the fact that that community that Miles was looking for ends up being different than he expected it to is kind of interesting, which which will make the the coming together of the community that Gwen's rallying together, that team to go help him. I think it's going to be even more satisfying and emotional when we get to see that scene because it's like Miles was yearning for this community of spiders. He found them. They were, it's a lot different than he expected. They, they weren't as good. Like they were fighting against him. Um, and then, no, his people are there. That might be smaller than this like mass of spiders in headquarters, but he's got his crew and they're coming to, to save him, to, to help him. I think it's going to be so, so heartwarming to see that moment in the next movie when Gwen and team show up to come to his aid. I love that um, Spider-Noir, Noir Spider-Man was in there <laughs> and Spider-Pit. Like, I love that they brought yeah. everybody back from the first one to be yeah. in that little crew. Because, I mean, you just, you have to have them in there too. I love it. And it's going to be really entertaining to see the the ones we met in this newer one interact with. I mean, I just want to see, like... Mr. Rebel Punk Spider-Man interact with Noir Spider-Man. That's just going to be so fun. <laughs> so entertaining. With also the uh, Mubatan Spider-Man as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, him that... and Spider-Pig. Oh, yes. It's going to be so great. Okay, any other last thoughts before we wrap up? About this movie. Okay, one other little detail that I absolutely loved in this is in one shot, 
I honestly don't remember when it happened in the movie. I just spotted it and was happy. Uh, there's a billboard in the back of some action that's happening that just has a, a it's a billboard, billboard for soda and it's the red circle and it just said soda in the Coke script in the circle. And then below it, it says a generic, it's a generic brand. And I loved that they included that. Like it was a spot maybe for <laughs> a Coke, amazing. you know, product placement, but they, it didn't work out. So they just kept it and made it generic. Hilarious. Loved it. <laughs> oh, that's great. All the little tiny things like that are just gold. Yes. It's, and Marvel it's, is so good at it. Yeah. It's incredible how much detail they put into everything in this movie. Oh, I love it. That's why I want to watch it again because I missed yes. so much that I need to yeah. see. I I feel confident I missed a lot too. Mm-hmm. There's just so much happening visually, like every frame. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I never felt like I couldn't keep track of what was happening, mm-hmm. but definitely something where it's like, yeah, there was a lot that just a lot going on in the background or small things or details like that soda billboard i'd love to go back and see and just again just the colors and the the animation um gwen's world i just couldn't get enough of yes just that like watercolor yeah the the whole first scene in there when it was turquoise oh my gosh yes it was gorgeous it's like um and then uh Miles says something about her hair being more pink or pink or something. And I hadn't noticed it. And that was, I think, when I started realizing that, like, how much the colors were changing based on what was going on. Um, Mm -hmm. So I would love to go back and just pay even closer attention to that and whose, whose moods were affecting it and, and all that. That scene where she reconciles with her father and the colors that just full color spectrum that evolves over that the course of that scene. And it goes from being like incredibly dark in the room to the moment where they hug and it's just like a wash with this like bright light and these warm pink tones. That scene was so beautiful. It's like we visually feel the relief and the warmth that of that reconciliation too. Oh, so good. So Mm -hmm. good. Man. Yeah. They, man, they know how to make a great movie and like, wow, whatever these artists behind this are making, it's honestly not enough. Like they all need a raise because Mm -hmm. they have produced something that is so incredibly special. It's wow. Yeah, and just I mean, to s- the consistency. I mean, how do you keep consistency in different animation for so many different characters? Not just the main characters, but yeah, I mean, all the different worlds. The, the Lego. Oh my gosh, the entire theater yeah. died laughing when they went to the Lego <laughs> world. Um, and just like the, you know, each one stays in their own animation style. And to keep that 
true, but also to, it's somehow also not jarring with whatever the world they're in, um, except Mr. Punk Man, because he has to be. Um, <laughs> he would want it no other way. Um, but yeah, they are truly just incredibly talented and um, not just talent in what they do, but in how they use it. And I want to see more. I want to see more from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even just the opening credits, I was like, this is incredible. Like I am captivated by these opening credits visuals. And they just felt like such a flex from the beginning. Like this is what we can do with just like, there isn't even any like major character or scenes happening yet. It's just the opening credits and the like synchronization of the music and the soundtrack with the visual style in that opening credit scene. Oh, so good. Can we also just talk about her opening drum solo? Cause that was fantastic. (laughs) Loved it. So good. Like she's a like rock and roll, rock and roll drummer, but also has a ballet fighting style. Like I love that. I love that. Like, break every rule out there, please. Mm-hmm. I'm here for it. So and I, I love that we see this, like, rule breaking across characters. You know, like, obviously, like, having this chick as a punk rock drummer who is incredible. You know, Miles is skilled in STEM and things that yeah. I am not smart enough to comprehend. We have a pregnant woman as a superhero like I just I loved how many like norms we are breaking in this film and how much we're seeing Mm -hmm. different people with different abilities even within the spider people realm it was just it was great to see that we don't just have to have characters that are in this small little box but we can be a lot more creative with our characters and do it in a way that makes sense and make them feel three-dimensional and like real people. It was lovely. Even to see Peter Parker, you know, toting around his yeah, baby spider. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Like and and be be a devoted dad and and not be lying to his family. And you know, his wife's not a super, like she's a normal human being, but just Again, every every rule you see that happens in superhero, you know, traditional superhero stories, like no, nope, we're just going to toss that out the window. He's got a pink bathrobe and slippers and a baby and a knit mask. It's great. <laughs> I love that Peter Parker. He's so great. But yeah, what what my uh, last little shout out is going to be for the fact that Miles is like an innovator in science and is using those skill sets to create new suits for himself or to create like new powers for himself is just so cool. Like I hope that kids watch this movie and be like, man, like science is really cool and I can use it to solve problems or to um, like equip uh, myself in in our world and our society with like new innovations. Like I just, it's such a neat example that is set because I think that like for example I think like the Tom Holland ones like gets a bunch of his suits just like given to him um 
with like new innovations. I don't think is it Tony Stark that gives it gives him his new suits. I don't know, but there's always like a a moment where he gets a new suit and it's got like cool new gadgets or whatnot. And I love that Miles is like, I'm gonna find how to use dark matter and quantum physics to make new powers for myself to use. And we see him use them in these little moments to get him out of situations too, which is just really fun to see. So I hope we see more of that in the next movie too. And are we going to see his five months and growing of being grounded? I love that it just kept growing. <laughs> All right. Well, this was our review and discussion of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. You can find it available out in theaters. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Movies and Us. And thank you, Caitlin, for joining us again. It's so good to have you back. Thanks for having me. It was so much fun. Yeah, it's always a good time. Our name sums it up. We're all about movies and the powerful ways we can connect with each other and the world around us. This podcast is about all of us and our shared stories. So everyone is welcome here and we're so glad you hung out with us today. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune into your favorite shows. Drop us a review letting us know your thoughts about Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. You can connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at MoviesAndUsPod or email us at MoviesAndUsPod at gmail.com. We will be back next week to discuss the film Reality. We hope you have an amazing week and we'll see you very soon.